Hello and welcome to Flight Deck, an inside look at the New York Jets. I'm your host, Rich Samini. I cover the Jets for ESPN. It's draft week, one of my favorite weeks of the year. And on Thursday night, probably about 9, 9.30 p.m., the Jets will be making a pick. Unless Joe Douglas loses the Wi-Fi in his house or he kicks the plug out of his laptop. Well, in seriousness, the Jets should be picking somewhere around 9 or 9.30, assuming they keep the 11th pick in the draft. And there's a whole host of options that they could have with that pick, and we're going to get into that. We're also going to hear from Joe Douglas in the second quarter. He addressed the media on Monday to discuss the draft and, of course, the new story around the Jets, which is Jamal Adams. And that's a uh, a conference call with the media that uh, you'll hear the highlights of that coming up very shortly. But I want to talk about the draft and just outline what I think are the most likely scenarios for the Jets. Number one, they are very open to trading down. They're at 11. You got teams behind them, such as Atlanta. Uh, I know they're interested in moving up. I think Denver is interested in moving up for a receiver. Atlanta, probably for, more for a defensive player. So I could see that happening. Joe Douglas is in the mindset of acquiring draft capital. He comes from a couple of organizations, the Ravens and Eagles, that were very aggressive traders. And he learned that. And I think he wants to bring that to the Jets. And I also think it's conducive to the way this draft stacks up on the value board. There's a lot of good talent in the second and third round. And I think he'd like to deal into that sweet spot and get more picks in those rounds. So don't be surprised if they trade down. Now, if they stay at 11, I think they'll probably still leaning towards an offensive tackle. That's what I've been hearing. Uh, there's four good ones in this draft. Uh, I've talked to at least a half a dozen uh, talent evaluators, and they rank them all differently. It's amazing how there's no consensus on these four guys. However, you know, if you, the gist I get, and you know, my own personal opinion, I think Jedrick Wills and Makai Becton are probably the two best. Then I think there's a bit of a gap between Wirfs, Tristan Wirfs, and then another gap between Andrew Thomas. Again, that's just a compilation of opinions from the scouts and person people I talk to, along with my own opinion. Someone, a different reporter, a different team might have it a completely different way. So, my hunch. Trying to predict the first 10 picks, I think there's a good chance that Becton will be there for the Jets, possibly Jedrick Wills. I think either one of those will be good choices for the Jets. Wills can come in immediately and play right tackle. Becton is a left tackle, but he can play right tackle. And Wills also can play left tackle. So you have versatility. That is something that Joe Douglas is looking for in his offensive lineman. I think there's a small chance that it could be wide receiver. My own personal choice, based on a bunch of scouts, I like Henry Ruggs at the third. I, I just think he's different because of that 4-2 speed. It's a special trait. You can't teach that kind of speed, and that's what I think separates him from C.D. Lamb and from Jerry Judy. Uh, I think I'm in the minority on that. I think most evaluators would say Judy and Lamb are better, and my belief I don't know it for a fact, but I think the Jets like C.D. Lamb the best out of those three. So if there's a choice between C.D. Lamb and the fourth offensive tackle on their board, then I could see the Jets going C.D. Lamb in that spot. He's 6'2". Uh, he's an outside receiver, whereas Judy is more of a slot guy. 
Lamb doesn't run as well as the other two, but he's very good after the catch. He's tough. He's physical. And from what people tell me, he's extremely competitive, high football character. And that's one of the reasons why Joe Douglas likes him. So again, uh, my hunch is that it'll be Wills or Becton for the Jets, whichever one is left. If it's a choice between, say, Andrew Thomas and Lamb, I could see them going for the wide receiver. Now, Becton got into the news a little bit the other day, and, and Joe Douglas is going to talk about this in the second quarter, but his drug test at the Combine was flagged. So what does that mean? Well, one, it just shows horrible decision-making on, on the part of Makai Becton because you know you're going to get drug tested at the Combine, and to get flagged is just is just really questionable judgment at the very least. Now, in the new CBA, the drug rules have changed dramatically. There's a, It's much more liberal. The penalties for a marijuana test are not harsh at all. In the old days, under the old CBA, the player would go into stage one for a, an extended period of time. Uh, so that's why teams were dissuaded from picking guys under the old CBA. Now you only go in for 60 days. And if you're clean after 60 days, you're out of stage one. So in Becton's case, I, I think it's just a minor flag, like a minor red flag. But Douglas talked about that. Do I think it will dissuade the Jets from taking him? I think if it's a tiebreaker between Wills and Becton, I think it certainly could become a factor. But if Becton is sitting there and the other tackles are gone, I think the Jets might pull the trigger. That would be a fascinating decision because I know – that Joe Douglas has been telling his scouts that he really wants to put an emphasis on football character. It's their first draft together, and he wants to bring in people that he can trust and build around. And uh, so that's going to be a fascinating decision with Makai Becton. Now, on the Jamal Adams situation, he's unhappy with his contract. This is not a shock. He's not going to show up for the offseason program. This is not a shock. This is what players do nowadays. Oh, I, I think his timing is horrible because of the optic. I mean, here we have in New York a city that has been devastated by the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, economy has been absolutely crushed. And here he is complaining about his contract situation. It's certainly not a good look for him. But from what I understand, and this is the interesting dynamic here, I, I think he wants to be the highest paid player on the team. And I could certainly see where he's coming from because he is the best player on the team. And he uh, apparently wants to be paid like it. Now, C.J. Mosley is the highest paid right now at $17 million a year. And uh, Jamal, I think, would like to eclipse that, which would be about $2.5 million more than the highest paid safety in the league is making right now. So here's the deal with that, though. C.J. Mosley was an unrestricted free agent when he got that contract last year from the Jets. Jamal is not even close to being an unrestricted free agent. He, he's under contract for two more years. So it's apples and oranges there. And the other thing is, the Jets made a mistake last year. The previous regime paid way too much money for C.J. Mosley. I don't even think Joe Douglas would have signed him if, if he were in charge at that time. So Joe Douglas is saying to himself, two wrongs don't make a right. I'm not going to pay this guy more than another guy who is overpaid. So I could certainly see it from the Jets standpoint as well. Do I think they'll trade him on draft day? I, I think there's more of a chance than I did a few days ago. So I wouldn't rule it out. I would say maybe a 25% chance. So I still think there's a chance 
Uh, in the end, though, I think it's going to be hard to find a team, and they'll end up keeping him, and this soap opera will drag out for much longer than the draft period. We'll be back in a second. Welcome back to Flight Deck. This is quarter number two, and this week we're going to be hearing from uh, Jets general manager Joe Douglas, who met the media on Monday in what is the annual pre-draft Q&A with reporters. This happens across the league. GMs and coaches always speak. Actually, they're required by league rules to speak to the media before the draft. In most cases, the team makes the head coach also available with the GM. The Jets, for the second straight year, Adam Gase is is not being made available to talk, which I find curious. He apparently won't even talk through the draft for the second year in a row. We probably won't hear from him until their off-season program begins on April 27th. So Joe Douglas is right now the voice of the team, and this call with reporters was dominated by the Jamal Adams situation and, you know, a lot of different ways of asking him if he's going to trade Adams or sign him to a long-term extension. And, you know, I, in, in February at the combine, Douglas said, and I'm quoting, the plan is to make Jamal a jet for life. We now know after ESPN's report last week by Adam Schefter that, um, you know, it's no longer, you know, it's not uh, all peachy with uh, Jamal. He wants a new contract. He's not going to show up for the off-season program, which I find hilarious because the off-season program doesn't even exist anymore. It's a virtual program. So he's essentially saying he's not going to open his laptop for two hours a day to listen to Greg Williams install some of the defense. So he's going to skip that point. But the message is that he's unhappy. And so that question came up with Joe Douglas. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've I've made it known that you know we 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 certainly um, the the plan would be for for Jamal to be uh, to be here long term. Um, so, um, and, and again, I've also uh, made it known that you know um, I, I have to do what's what's in the best interest of this team. And if 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 if, if um, other teams call to talk about players, I'll listen. But. You know, going into this draft, you know, my intent isn't isn't to to move any players. Um, so, but if a team calls, we're going to have conversations. So, um, I don't I don't view it as hedging. I view it as doing my job. Douglas has been pretty clear since he took over that he considers this quarterback position untouchable. He said he would never tr- think of trading a franchise quarterback. And that's the only position he would put into that category. So someone wanted to know why isn't Jamal Adams, based on what he's done, an untouchable player? How I feel about the quarterback position, I feel like I've always made that known. I feel quarterback's the most important position in all of professional sports. And I feel like we have a, a very good young young player in Sam Darnold. Um, and so um, Jamal, my, my, my opinion on Jamal has been consistent through since since I arrived here, um, Jamal's an unbelievable young player, and um, you know, again, our, our plan is to is to keep Jamal here a long time. The one thing Douglas has not said. Now he's he's been very clear that he wants to keep Jamal long term, which obviously means a contract extension at some point. But he has not said when. He basically said, you know, this is a back burner item. You know, at first he said we're focusing on free agency. Now he's saying they were focusing on the draft. So when exactly, Joe, are you going to get to talking to Jamal about a new contract? 
you know, I think I think once we kind of once we get through, you know, we've gotten through free agency, we've gotten through the draft. I think our next step is going to be to get together as a group, and uh, and, and the plan is is going to be to connect uh, with Jamal at some point after the draft. Okay, enough Jamal Adams. Let's focus on the draft here. The Jets with the 11th pick, as I said earlier, I think it's going to be Becton or Jedrick Wills Jr. Becton is. A, a mountain of a man. He's about 6'7", 365 pounds. He's a freakishly good athlete, and I've heard wonderful things about him in terms of his upside. He's just a he's a potentially dominant player. I had one scout tell me that if everything clicks for this guy, he could be a Hall of Fame type of player. The Jets obviously need offensive line help. Even though they did work on the line in free agency, they still need more help. But the problem with Becton, as we alluded to earlier, got flagged for a drug test at the Combine. So Douglas is asked about that, obviously. You know, he, he's stressing character. Will this drug test situation impact his decision with Becton? You know, uh, in years past, uh, it was a little bit different. Um, when, a, when a player uh, failed a Combine uh, drug test, um, he was automatically put into the program. Um, obviously, those things have changed. Um, uh in the, in the new CBA. Um, as far as the actual test, I think, um, look, I mean, we've all made mistakes in life, and um, I think we'll, what we're trying to do, what you try to vet in situations like that, is, you know, um, the timing of that mistake and, you know, the, the um, digging into the behavioral aspect, the decision-making aspect of uh, exactly um, why that mistake was made. So, um, you know, our, our board isn't going to be set until until Thursday. We're it's it's fluid, and we're our guys are our guys are uh, are going to be digging on background until Thursday night. So, um, you know, we're going to do a, a lot of work on a lot of players up until that that time frame. And Douglas has been saying since day one, you know, that since he got on the job, basically, that he's going to prioritize the offensive line. It goes without saying that this is a huge need for the Jets. Their offensive line was terrible last season. They have neglected it in, in, in the draft for going back to 2006 when they picked Ferguson and Mangold. They're the only team in the league since 2006 that hasn't used a top 50 pick on an offensive lineman. In fact, every team has used two picks in the top 50 on linemen. The Jets have none. I think that changes on Thursday night. If they don't take it in the first round, I think they're going to get it in the second round. And so, you know, this is a pretty good class. You know, you got Wirfs, Thomas, Becton, and, and Wills. And Douglas was asked, you know, where does this class stack up? The tackle class is a good class. And um, I, th- I think with us uh, right now, um, you know, with George George coming in, uh, I think he's going to be an, uh, an ideal fit athletically for what we're, what we're doing in our scheme. Um, a guy like Chuma who has – a ton, a ton of abilities. He's got unbelievable feet. Um, he's going to have an opportunity to compete for for a starting spot. Um, and then, I, I, I mean, I, I want to give a shout out to uh, Connor McDermott too. I mean, he was a he was a, a, a tackle that we acquired from from uh, waivers last year, who came in, um, who busted his butt, grinded every day, great work ethic, great personality. He was able to come in and start start the last two games at offensive guard. Uh, we were in, in, and play at a pretty good level. We were able to win those games, and he played. He played good ball. So um, I think, like the wideout position with Manisha's last question, I think you know if we can find a guy at the right at the right fit um, that can come in and, and upgrade 
upgrade the tackle spot and and, and help uh, help us. Uh, you know, we're we're we're, we're definitely um, you know that's going to be that's going to be an interesting um, addition as well. And so that's his take on the offensive lineman. Uh, you know, there's actually five. There's a couple of more who could go later. Josh Jones of Houston is more of a mid to late first rounder, possibly early second. A guy I've been hearing good things about is Austin Jackson from USC. He's young. He's only 20 years old. He's extremely raw. He needs some work, but he's got a lot of physical talent. I could see him going somewhere in the middle of the first round. So the Jets, if they don't get one at 11, it might be hard to find a good one with their next pick, which is which is 48. And I think it would be shame if they don't come out of this draft without one viable left tackle or right tackle. And welcome back to the third quarter of Flight Deck. It's our Twitter mailbag and obviously a draft focus this week. And the first question comes from at Philly Spencer 17. Is there any update with Trent Williams? I think it would give us a lot of flexibility in the first round to trade for Williams, who obviously is the disgruntled Washington Redskins left tackle, a seven-time Pro Bowl player, a really good player. But I don't think that trade – I do think he will get traded. And I I sense that the Cleveland Browns are going to be in on him. But I'd be surprised if he goes to the Jets. It just doesn't fit with what Joe Douglas has been doing so far, trying to get younger, looking for cost-effective alternatives. Williams would be $12 million in his final year of his contract, plus he wants an extension, plus you'd have to give up compensation to the Redskins, and uh, I'd be really surprised if that were the case, uh, if they made that move. Next one from at Dylan Price 27 if you're in Joe Douglas's seat for the first three rounds, what are the positions you would address most aggressively? Well, I, I think their biggest need is wide receiver. I mean, they really don't even have two starting caliber wide receivers right now. I mean, they have a slot guy in Jamison Crowder, and their outside guys are Brashad Perriman, who I don't consider a true starting caliber receiver. And the other one is, I don't know, take your pick. Josh Doxson or Vincent Smith. So receiver would be the one I would most aggressively pursue. I don't know if that means I would take it in the first round, but second round, I think a real good chance. LaVisca Cheneau of Colorado is the player to watch. Jets have been doing a lot of homework on him. Someone described to me as a kind of a Lavernius Coles type receiver, just a really tough guy who's hard to bring down when he has the ball in his hands. So watch out for him. Offensive tackle is a big need. I would put that up there. I think they'll get that in the first round. Edge rusher, I could see it third or fourth round. Every team is always looking for edge rushers. God knows the Jets have been looking for a long, long time. Josh Uche of Michigan and Curtis Weaver of Boise State are two names to watch in the third, fourth round area. And cornerback, you know, they're always looking for corners. It's a thin position. Uh, it's not a great year for corners in the draft, so I don't think they'll reach for one, but you could see one in the middle rounds for sure. Next question from at sports underscore FI three ND. Uh, this is pretty obvious question here. A lot of Jet fans are asking this question now and heck, even the Jets might be asking this question is what would you give Jamal Adams 
in a new contract extension? And do you think it, the Jets would be better served by getting it before the new TV deals go into effect next year? So, all right. So what would Jamal Adams get? He wants to be the highest paid safety. We know that. Uh, Eddie Jackson from Chicago, $14.6 million a year is the highest average per year. So I think Jamal is entitled to that. I think he's done enough in three years to equal that. So I would think something around $15 million. However, it gets a little confusing because Jamal still has two years left on his deal, whereas Eddie Jackson, who is a fourth-round pick, had one year left on his deal. So Jamal, the, the money, it wouldn't come out to new money, so it depends on how you characterize his contract. But I would think about 15 a year would be fair. I think I would pay that for him. Now, if he wants, like we talked about earlier, if he wants to go north of C.J. Mosley at about $17.5 million a year, I just think that's too much for a safety. I, I, I don't know any team that would want to pay that much for a safety. Uh, if they do, if he finds a team, God bless him. But uh, to, for my, if I'm the Jets' perspective, I would not pay that much. Uh, next question from at Full Press Jets. What's the trade value for Jamal Adams? Okay, we're on the Jamal Adams kick here. So I think the Jets are in a great position of leverage because they have him for two more years, so they don't have to give him away. And, uh, you know, at least a first-round pick for sure. And I would think I'd want to get a second-rounder as well and possibly something else, you know, a late-round sweetener of some, some kind. But I don't want a low first-round pick. I don't want somebody 25 to 30 giving me their pick for Jamal Adams. I would want someone in the middle. You know, maybe the Raiders have a couple of picks in the middle of the first round. I could see something like that. But I would want a mid-first rounder, and I would want a, a two, and I would want something else. I think that's would be fair compensation for him. Next one from at Tum Tweet. Uh, is Michael Pittman of USC really a difference maker for Sam Darnold? The more I look at CD Lamb, the more I convince myself that he has to be the pick for the Jets. Well, Pittman is probably a late one to early two. A uh, big target, about 6'4", reminds me of Keyshawn Johnson, just a big-bodied receiver, not a burner, ran about 4.52 at the Combine. So he'd be a really good short-to-intermediate target for Darnold, and uh, he would win those 50-50 balls, whereas last year Robbie Anderson, especially early on, was not winning those 50-50s. So I think he would help in that respect. Uh, some scouts have questioned whether he has enough speed to separate so I think that would be a, a, an issue with him. Really good kid, high high character. Dad played in the NFL. I think that would be a solid second-round pick for the Jets. Now, you're a C.D. Lamb fan, and, you know, most of the people I've talked to really like C.D. Lamb. Some people even think he's the best receiver in the draft. A couple of scouts I talked to just really question the level of competition in the Big 12. I mean, they don't play defense in the Big 12, and he's put up some some crazy good numbers against teams in the Big 12. Now, people will point to uh, the fact that he had a good game against Alabama, also had a good game against LSU. So he has shown the ability to play against top-level competition. Uh, I just really have to question his production as a whole just because of the level of competition. Look, I don't think I would rip the Jets if they pick C.D. Lamb with the 11th pick. I, th I think he'll probably be a good receiver. 
I personally would take Henry Ruggs because I, I think his speed will just change games. But I could certainly see your argument for Lamb at 11. And our last question is uh, more of a free agency type question. What will Joe Douglas do when Tremaine Johnson's cut money goes into effect? That, of course, will be on June 1st. Right now, Tremaine is, ca- is counting the full boat on their cap, 15 million on their cap. On June 1st, his cap charge drops to 4 million. So it'll be 4 million this year after June 1st. And then next year, they'll carry another 8 million on the cap. Um, so it's, it's not a pretty situation, but they will save 11 million on June 1st. And with that 11 million, they can use that essentially to pay for their draft class. I mean, that, that'll cover their draft. And Joe Douglas was also saying on Monday with reporters that they're going to go back to being aggressive in free agency after the draft. So I think you'll see them get involved with some players. I don't think it'll be Clowney. I know everyone wants to know about Jadavian Clowney, but a guy like a Logan Ryan from Tennessee, possibly players of that ilk, you know, veteran guys who haven't generated a market who you could get for a reasonable price. I would think the Jets would use some of that money to go after those type of players. Back in a second. And welcome back to the fourth quarter. We're going to devote it to the draft and the man of the draft for the Jets, Joe Douglas, general manager. This is his first draft as the Jets GM. It's his first draft in the big chair in his life. I mean, he's been a scout He's been a college director He in Philadelphia. He put the draft board together, but he didn't make the final decisions. This year, he's the guy in charge. He's pulling the trigger. And so, you know, it'll be, it's interesting. What a way to make your debut under these restrictions of a, with a virtual draft. Uh, Joe said he'll be in a first floor office in his new home in New Jersey. It was really kind of a Spartan move. He hasn't had a chance to decorate because he moved in during the season, and he said his wife's been sprucing up the room the last couple of days, putting some decorations on the wall uh, in case they go to him on TV for a for a war room cam. He wants it to look good. So he's had a sense of humor about it. He said he tried to recreate his office at home very close to what he had at the jet facility in Florham Park. It's going to be different, though. I mean, it's uh, he won't have Adam Gase next to him. He won't have his right-hand man next to him. They're going to be in different parts of the state, you know, and all linked by computer. So it'll be fascinating to see what happens. But this is the big day for Joe Douglas. You know, he takes over an organization that, well, let me just throw a couple of stats out at you. Um, since 2000, uh, since 1996, the Jets have drafted only 11 Pro Bowl players. Consider that the Kansas City Chiefs lead the league in that span with 27, and the Jets have only 11. Since 2007, the Jets have drafted 69 players outside the first round. Not one of them, not one, has made the Pro Bowl. The average NFL team has six players outside the first round to make the Pro Bowl in that span. So the conclusion you can draw from this is the Jets stink at drafting. It's on Joe Douglas to change that. He got a six-year contract from the Jets. He's one of the highest-paid GMs in the league. He came to them with the reputation for being a scouting guru, the guy who could beat the bushes and find the talent 
in the lesser-known places, in the middle rounds. That's where GMs make their name and their reputations. It's not picking sixth in the draft and finding a star. It's being able to find one in the third and fourth round, which the Jets haven't been able to do for a long, long time. So that's Joe Douglas's challenge, is to try to rebuild this roster. I can tell you one thing. When this draft is over, you're going to look at all the Jets draft picks, and you're going to see one common thing. Good intangibles. He has been stressing football character. You're going to see a lot of guys with team captain on their resume. He's going to want to start refilling the locker room with those type of players. That was an emphasis in free agency. It will be an emphasis in his first draft. I've talked to people who know Douglas who say in his first draft in Philly, that was such a huge part of it. He wanted to make a statement by bringing good players into the program. So you will notice that from the Jets. But this is the Joe Douglas time. We're going to learn a lot about him on Thursday night, Friday, and Saturday. Right now, the Jets have eight picks. They have four in the top 79. Wouldn't be surprised if they pick up extra picks along the way, do some trading. So it's on you, Joe Douglas, a franchise, a fan base that has been totally drained of its enthusiasm over the years by bad drafting and bad moves, turns its lonely eyes to you. Thanks for stopping by this week for our Jets draft preview. I want to thank the producer, Jeff Scopin, for putting it all together. And please subscribe to Flight Deck. Please rate us. Write some comments in. You can pick us up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and also Google Play. And, uh, of course, on any of the ESPN platforms. Hope you enjoyed the show. Enjoy the draft. <laughs>